Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Is that correct? 
Yeah, yeah, I played Sergeant Donnelly in the Sergeant first Sergeant Donnelly. <laughs> well, yeah, before Nikki. I got by Scorpionox. Yeah. <laughs> well, Nikki is going to be really, really excited to to hear about that. And but the main uh, reason that we wanted to talk with you today was, uh, of course, to get your reactions to being a part of the movie A Christmas Story, which is just as far as I'm concerned, the the best movie ever made for uh, for Christmas. And I wondered, how did you get the role of Farkas? Well, when I uh, we sh- part of it was shot in Toronto, Canada, and ah. I was from Toronto, and I auditioned um, against three, four hundred other kids, and it went down from three hundred down to one fifty, down to a hundred, down to eighty, down to fifty, down to twenty, down to ten, down to five, down to me. Uh, so it was audition, audition, audition. And I was like a little kid, and I had never done a. I was 13. I'd ne- I'd done commercials, but I had never done a movie before. And uh, then I got. How the old part. were you? Um, How old were I you was, then? I was 13. 13. Yeah, I was 13 years old. And uh, so then I get the I get the job, and it's very exciting. And we do wardrobe, and then we go to the location uh, out in I think it was uh, yeah it was in Cleveland. And I met the guy, Yano Anaya, who played Grover Dill. And <laughs> he and I were hanging out a bit. And then we were putting on our, they put our wardrobe on me, on us. And they took us out to see Bob Clark. And this, for me, was the first time I met Bob Clark because I had been auditioning in Toronto, not in California where he lived. Uh, uh-huh. So all the auditions had been via tape. Um, and then... Uh, I'm standing in front of Bob with Yano and I, and the wardrobe mistress puts her hand over me and puts her hand over Yano and says, this is your Skip Farkas, this is your Grover Dill. And I guess that was <laughs> the first time Bob had noticed that or had re- seen the size difference and noticed that I was probably about nine inches taller than Yano. So oh. he looks at me and he looks at Yano and he goes, um, okay, you get his lines, he gets yours. He switched. Yeah, switched it right there. Um, so Scott Farkas was originally in the script Grover Dill's Toady, and then he got flipped that Grover Dill was Scott Farkas' Toady. Oh my gosh! Well, that was a, a sort of a, a blessing for you, wasn't it, to get to get Absolutely. this role? Well, yeah, and you know, it was uh, honestly, if you look at how the two of us, if you look at the film, you see the two of us trying to flip those roles back the other way. I don't know. I think maybe because I had the braces and the slanty eyes and the and the, and the evil-looking face, I think I made a, a more terrifying bully. Um, and it just worked out great. But it, it did it, work it was, out. It was genuinely like a, a moment of ephemera that pretty much changed my life. I guess it did, and and uh, you certainly were uh, a memorable villain in this movie. But what's your most vivid um, memory about working on A Christmas Story? Um, working with Bob Clark, uh, with him directing me and have, going over scenes. I mean, that was the first film I'd ever done, and I didn't know how to be a film actor. And Bob was so genuine and comfortable with kids. Um, he's a, he, he himself being a father that he would treat us like little professionals that needed to do their job and needed to earn the respect of the set and the crew by being professional not unkindly so but 
stern, uh, strong, direct. And when I, if I messed up a line, Bob would come over and go, okay, let's run that again. Say it again. And I'd say the line. Go, okay, good. Say it again. Good. Say it again. Say it again. What was that line? Say it again. Okay. <laughs> and they did that with me. So I was saying without even thinking about it, and I lost my nerves, and I was comfortable. He's like, you're doing a great job. Stay focused, and you get it done. Thank you. And then when I did finish the scene, and it worked out great, and I, you know, I was a little kid, I was 13, so uh, when I got my focus going, and he'd come over and give me a big hug and go, that was awesome. Way to go. Nice job. And you really, he inspired uh, the actors, the young actors, through make, helping them want to do the best job they could as there was no yelling uh, at anybody, but there was also no pandering to childness. Yeah, there's no, there was no pandering to like, oh, does baby want to have a blanket? It was, you're a professional, do your job. And there was, it was a standard that I've maintained throughout the rest of my life. And, uh, well, that he was my must part. have been wonderful to, to work with and uh, how how great that he he did know how to work with uh, youngsters because there were so many of them in that uh, in that film. Was he that way with, ev- with everyone, uh, yep. every one of the youngsters? Yeah, he was just great. He was he was such a sweet, kind man, and so passionate about what he did, and so uh, big-hearted. He was very much missed. Well, he certainly uh, directed a masterpiece, as far as as far as I'm concerned, and it was absolutely perfect, perfect casting. And I can't help asking you, Zach, about your real life relationship with with Peter Billingsley who played Ralphie, of course. you I mean, my goodness, you were bitter enemies in that movie, and the, and the fights, <laughs> the fight scenes were so believable. What were your, did you know him before, or did you meet him? No, and okay. what kind of relationship did you have uh, off the set? Well, I didn't know any of the other kids, because uh, everybody else but me was from Los Angeles. Um, I knew who Peter was, because he was on... Uh, that's incredible, and he was also the kid from the Messy Marvin commercials, and so I, of course I had seen him, um, but I had never met any of them before, or Scotty Schwartz from the Toy and Kid Co. Uh-huh. Um, so actually, we were just a bunch of kids having fun, and offset, we all hung out and played together. <laughs> and, Is that uh, right? Yeah, we would run around the hotel in Cleveland causing problems. And try not to get in trouble for it. Um, yeah, the big joke was always to send. Uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, we would order room service for other people's rooms. Hide. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we got along great. There was there was none none of that sort of uh, uh, method acting where I was the bully and therefore I was going to hate everybody. No, I was just a 13 year old kid having a lot of fun and getting to play. So we got along great, and then, you know, we everybody went their separate ways. I saw Scotty. I started to be friends again with Scotty Schwartz probably about 15 years ago, um, 15, 16 years ago. And then when I moved to Los Angeles from Toronto, I met up with Scotty again, Peter again, and R.D., uh, and Yano and Naya, who played Grover. I met up with him probably about five years ago. Um and it's funny, uh, or and Ian Petrello, who played Randy, um, we we tour the country. We do these sort of uh, appearances every Christmas, 
and we raise money for the Boys and Girls Foundation in different cities. Um, and it's been, we, we do that over Thanksgiving and maybe into the beginning of the December month. And it's become uh, it's become a tradition with us that is really fun because you're you're spending time with people that you've known for 27 years, and oh my not gosh, a lot of people. Cool. Yeah, yeah, and especially as an actor, as a child actor, growing up and having shared experiences and being able to relate to one another in a way that very few people can. So it's it's not only been a huge part of my life uh, as an actor, but it's also become a huge part of my life. Um, emotionally uh, and giving me a new family. Well, it certainly is a wonderful cause for you all to be involved in. And I, I just think you've done so well in terms of, of your acting career. And I was, uh, as we were talking um, before you came on the on the line, that, uh, well, you have over 80 films and TV appearances. And then Peter, uh, who played Ralphie, yeah. has really been busy too especially uh lately C- could you tell our listeners what he's been involved in well peter um peter the, the way that story goes uh peter was here in los angeles many many years ago and he was doing a uh, after school special about not using steroids and it was one of those little shows that says at the end of it, you know, the more you know, that type of thing. And uh, he did it, uh, the guy who was playing opposite him was a young actor named Vince Vaughn. And he (laughs) and Vince Vaughn became very close friends. And this is 25 years ago, or yeah, 20 years ago. And so Peter and Vince Vaughn became best of buddies and they started hanging out. And that was, they were just pals. And then as their careers started going in different ways, you know, Peter was still acting, but he was actually learning from Bob Clark how to become a director, and uh, Peter was spending his time in the editing rooms, learning how to edit films, and uh, understand how to make movies from the inside out, as opposed to just being an actor, and when Vince Vaughn did Swingers, um, then Peter was introduced to John Favreau, who was the other lead of Swingers, and who was also working as becoming a director, and then Peter ended up uh, producing a TV series with John Favreau on Bravo, uh, and it was called Dinner for Five, and it was John Favreau interviewing uh, four other um, named celebrities while they sat down and had dinner, and so Peter was producing that, and then Peter produced a movie with Vince Vaughn and John Favreau, which was a uh, sequel to Swingers, and then they continued working together, and uh, I did, did the, they did the films Athura, they did Elf, they did, um, oh, they did something else, I can't remember, but they ended up doing, um, they ended up doing Iron Man, so Iron I'm Man. sure everybody's aware that Iron Man did, Iron Man did pretty okay. It did pretty okay, and, and I was quite impressed with, uh, with Peter's directing, uh, of Couples Retreat, just this past oh, year, I, I, I well, be sure yeah, to see it good. because it's it's very very good, and um, I definitely want to make sure that I ask you uh, this question because uh, I think I understand it, but it's interesting to get other people's opinions. Why do you think a Christmas story is still so wildly popular? I know it's uh, it's played on uh, television practically all all during the month of December, and there are just so many fans that that are 
are so wild about this movie, and I'm one of them, of course. Why do you think it's 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 so well, popular still? The reason the film is so popular is because it 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 grows with the audience. When you're a child and you're watching the movie, you identify with the kids, and you identify with their trials and tribulations going through school, the silly stuff that they did, the competitions that they had, their desires for quote Christmas presents, um, and that's. And that's something that you relate to as a child. And when you watch the movie, you feel like you're identifying with the leads or the bully or uh, with the sidekick or the little brother, whomever it is. And as you start getting older, um, if you're a child and then you're in your 20s, you you reflect back on that movie as if something that you watched when you were a kid. And so if, and it has that feeling of nostalgia and also um, uh, tradition for you. But then when you start getting a little older past that, you start looking at the film as an adult watching children. And you relate to it differently because you see how you were treated by your, your parents and how you want to potentially treat your children. And what's interesting about that is wherever we travel, we, we meet people who are in their 70s, people who are in their 50s, in their 40s, in their 30s, uh, children who are five years old. And they all love the movie because each single one of them identifies with the movie from a different viewpoint. And the reason the film is timeless is because the theme of it is not about getting a Red Rider baby again. The theme is classical. The theme is uh, stepping into manhood, earning the respect of your of your father. Um, and you can see it, it it's it's symbolized by the wanting to get a Red Rider baby gun. But what that whole film is about is on Christmas morning after. Everybody's opened their presents, and the old man and the mom, they're sitting down, and the old man looks at Ralphie and says, well, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas? He says, uh, kind of. And the old man says, well, there's always next year. And they're sitting down, and he says, yeah, there's next year. And the old man looks over and goes, oh, what's, what's that? What's that over there? And Ralphie looks, where? Is that behind the tree? That's a long, tall, thin box. And Ralphie looks at the old man. The old man looks at Ralphie. And at that moment, they both know. Ralphie knows that that's the gun that he wanted. And his father is saying, I trust you, and I respect you enough to take care of this. And at that moment, Ralphie has become the man in his father's eyes enough to earn the respect and trust to have the Red Rider BB gun. And that's why that film means something to people. Because it doesn't matter where you're from. It doesn't matter what age you are, what color you are, what your religion is. Uh, everybody has a family or wishes they did have a family. And everybody wants to feel as if they're respected and trusted by the people they look up to. And that moment is that moment. That's his coming of age moment. And that's why it's, that's why it continues to make sense regardless of the age, regardless of the location. Because everyone has a family, whether they're born into them or they adopt them, looking to be accepted and respected. And that will always be timeless. Absolutely. What a great answer. I I hadn't uh, thought of the trust um, being an issue there, but you're right, and that is a universal theme. And then, of course, I think it's just such a entertaining film. From beginning to end, there's not one dull 
minute in that entire movie. Well, I don't want to take too much more of your time, uh, Zach. It's just been wonderful having uh, having you as a guest, but I do want to give you a chance to tell our listeners what current projects you're working on. Mm. Well, right now I'm shooting the final episode of Dollhouse with Joss Whedon and the rest of the cast, so that's a lot of fun. Um, and I'm in the midst of producing a movie that we're shooting in January. The film is called Last Stop. And it is a Hitchcock-style horror film shot in the Twilight Zone. Uh, I describe it as elegant terror. Um, It will be starring Brian Austin Green, myself, Joanne Kelly, and some other cast that I can't talk about yet. Um, It will be shooting in January, and we hope to be coming out at the Comic-Con next July. Um, Yeah, and it's going to be the first film that I'm producing and starring in. I can't wait to see it. Would you would you come back when it's when the film is completed and and Absolutely. you're ready to talk about it and and we can spend more time talking with you about about your your uh movie and the the title again is Last Stop. Last Stop and it's a Hitchcockian type thriller, one of my favorite genres. So we'll definitely be looking forward to that and uh we hope that you have a very, very happy holiday season, Zach. And uh, thank you, thank you again for uh, talking with us and and being a part of this tribute to such a wonderful holiday classic. Uh, thank you so much, and please give me a call whenever you want. I'll do that. Thank you again, and uh, bye for now.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.